The We Think Collective podcast is brought to you in part by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial membership at audibletrial.com forward slash inbound. We Think Collective is also supported by May May Jewelry in Atwater Village. For 15% off your order, enter promo code WTC podcast at maymayjewelry.com. That's M-A-E-M-A-E jewelry.com. I want money, lots and lots of money. I want the diamonds in the sky. Hi, do you know that song? I don't think so. I think Hyde's too young for that. <laughs> Who is it? It's a famous 80s song, and I don't know. Oh, you know I don't know the 80s music. Well, yeah, yeah. But um, What other money songs do we know? More money, more problems. Ah, money. Ah. Uh. <laughs> we are terrible with I'm words. coming. Yeah, I'm, I'm coming, coming out. out. Do, do. I want the world to know. But where's the money part? No. You know what it is? It's the P. Diddy Mace version. Oh. More money, more problems. Um, the other thing that's annoying to me is there's that one money song, but now it feels like it completely trumps even though it's not but you know which one i'm talking about i'm not even gonna sing it just because that one money song i have to sing it now sing it (laughs) what is it money 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 he kind of like doesn't own it but he used it for his show so now it's like you hear that song you think of trump or i do fuck that guy (laughs) did i just say that on the air i'm sorry i'm sorry um, so hello and welcome back to We Think Collective. Hi, you guys. The podcast. Pod- podcast, podcast, podcast. podcast. That was an echo effect. <laughs> <laughs> Tim's looking at me crazy like, that's what I'm here for. If we're going to do a podcast effect, I'll do the podcast effect, bitch, Heidi, okay? Heidi is our own special effects, you guys. <laughs> I, I carry them with me. I want to get one of those um, karaoke mics that they have for kids. Please, please, don't anyone buy that for her, okay? Don't If you do love it. Rena, you'll buy me don't that present. Do that to it will me. bring her so much joy. Don't do that to me. Don't do that to me. Um, but why are we starting the episode out with money songs, Marina May? Uh, well, Heidi had this. Well, first of all, Heidi has a documentary obsession right now. I do. You like are contagious, and I got it. And now you're not watching them, and I am. I know you totally we are. She did. And now, so there's this documentary that she recently watched called Generation Wealth, mm-hmm. and it's kind of really pervasive. And brings up a lot of things for me, especially because I grew up in Los Angeles where money was kind of the symbol of success all the way around. And this documentary, Heidi, you you talk about it a little bit. Give them a little synopsis. Um, it's so weird because I had these notes on my phone that were up and they just totally disappeared. Huh. Isn't that crazy? Impromptu yourself, The girl. universe does not want me to look at those. Mm. Um, well, it's this awesome female photojournalist um maybe she's a visual anthropologist whoa actually okay um who has been documenting wealth and americans obsession with wealth for the past 25 years Mm -hmm. and so it was cool because she kind of like was able to go through like this retrospective of her career and kind of sum up what she's seen what she's learned and also kind of turn the camera on herself and her own family and be really vulnerable in showing how they were influenced by the same kind of thing. 
Okay. Did that answer your question? It did. It Kinda. did. So the premise of the documentary, I didn't watch the whole thing, but I watched part of it. And it started with, obviously, the allure. It shows a picture of Kim Kardashian when she was 12. Mm-hmm. Seen that. Um, and it shows this high school called Crossroads in Los Angeles. In Santa Monica. In yeah. Santa Monica. Where, where she attended. Where it was a hybrid high school, right? Mm-hmm. Where it was like half rich kids and then half inner city school kids that they bust in. Yeah, they were trying to like break class divides mm-hmm. But with this school model. But what ended up happening overall is... What she was able to document, she attended the school and was a student who was kind of in the have-nots category, comparatively speaking. Mm-hmm. And what she did as at the start of her career is went to that school and documented a bunch of 17-year-olds. And what she found was like, they were the first thing they said about what was it to live in LA. And they said, it's all about money. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was kind of the beginning of her starting to see how this sort of obsession with money and fame had started to permeate our society at the highest levels and become the ultimate pursuit to the point where kind of that's all people were caring about until they got it and then realized how empty it was. We're not saying money's bad because money in and of itself is not bad. Money is just paper or sometimes it's not even that. It's means nothing except what we make it mean. And we've assigned meanings to it to exchange energy with one another, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's what money is. But I think what this film documents is the love of money and how deeply, deeply destructive that can be to people and to societies and cultures across all time. I think that when... Heidi was talking to me about this. I thought about because I went to UCLA mm-hmm. and I went from, you know, inner city Los Angeles school where nobody was really rich. Everyone was kind of in the same income bracket of we got lunch stamps, we got food stamp, you mm-hmm. know, free lunches at school. So when I ended up going to UCLA, like I was in class with all these kids that didn't have to work, you know, whose parents, like some of my classmates, if their bank account went under a certain amount, their parents' bank account automatically funded into their bank account to make sure that they had enough money. So I was like, man, bitch, how do you buy so much Snapples at school? You know what I'm saying? Back in the 90s, you bought a Snapple, you were dope. But these people were like getting strawberry kiwi flavor and mango flavor and freaking berry bass flavor. And I was like, Dude, I can only get two samples a week because I can only have nine meals for the week. That's like what my card would allow me to do. Right. And they're all like, I don't know your life. And I was like, I don't know your life, right. you know? And so I What just, do you think was the impact for you being exposed to that kind of wealth at that point in your young, impressionable life? Shit, realizing I got to get money, money, money to just even like keep up with these new Joneses that I see because I didn't mm-hmm. grow up next to these Joneses. And then you went into finance and mortgages and money. And then I made a lot of, and money. Made a lot of money. And then the and wah- how did that feel? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's interesting because I think... That combined with I'd seen this like clip of a interview with Steve Harvey and Monique, mm. the comedian. They're both okay. comedians, I guess. <laughs> yes. <laughs> They're both com- comedians. But and I think Steve Harvey is, is also a lot more than a comedian a host at this of Family point. Family Feud. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. He's a lot more than a comedian at this point. Yeah. He has his own talk show. He's host of a game show. He has 
he's his own production company. Yeah. Like he's a mini Oprah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hope you heard that Steve Harvey. Anyway, I saw this little snippet and it was him and Monique arguing. And the hard part was I'm sure they love each other. But I could barely even hear anything Monique had to say because Steve Harvey was yelling over her the whole time, mm. um, which is kind of a pet peeve of mine. So it was a little triggering to watch while he mansplained to her how she had made a huge mistake by standing up for her integrity and jeopardizing her money and that she needed to recognize that it wasn't about... Hold on, hold on. Roll roll it back. What did Monique do? Well, I don't know all the backstory, the whole entire thing, whatever. So somebody can probably be mad at me for this, but she had been offered like a comedy special on Netflix, I think, and found like decided that they lowballed her on the price and went to the press and, and accused them of paying her less because she's a black woman. Okay. Now, P.S., black women are paid less than everybody pretty much on the scale, on mm-hmm. average, right? So oh. she's probably right. Yes. Let's just go with that. We're in this whole world of like not blaming the victims and all this shit. And everybody got mad at her for coming out and saying that. Like it was uncouth, you know, yeah. breaking the kind of Hollywood etiquette to come out and say something like that and almost was still in negotiations with them. So it was considered like bad business on her part. Okay. Um, whether they lowballed her or not, I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah. But she felt that they did. And I guess she was on Steve Harvey talking about it. I didn't see all of this part, but claiming that like Oprah and Tyler Perry and these other powerful black production companies had been kind of blacklisting her and she wasn't getting work now because of that. Because mm-hmm. she stood up for her integrity. That's how she viewed it. Yeah. Okay. And Steve Harvey was pretty much like, it doesn't matter if you think it's your integrity or not. You just need to shut up and play the game because this is the money game. And in the money game, you got to do what you got to do to make that money. Mm. And he was like straight up yelling at her about it and talking about like, my family, I'm not going to let things crumble for my whole family just for my integrity. That's I'm paraphrasing, but that's essentially what yeah. he was yelling at her. Yeah. And I just was like, damn, dude, this is the whole problem with everything. <laughs> like with everything. Yes. It's not a man thing and a woman thing. So I'm not trying to draw that conclusion from that scenario of him yelling over her <laughs> and interrupting her. Yeah. But it is a like, I think if you could even go deeper than all of that, it would be this money game. Absolutely. That's really like the problem in our society. I think it's what was probably the last 400 years has been built on this money game and this mm-hmm. money. Because I think especially in America, money is power right here. And whoever has... Or the, that's what we believe. Yeah. And what we've been and, told and what we've seen. And you can get away with things if you have yeah. money, enough money to pay them off. So many things. So many things. And now it's like <clears throat> this money. So imagine growing up in L.A., or in New York, or like these big cities where there's a lot of money and opulence. Hyde and I were talking, and we said that LA is a really big hub of this money thing. Especially the money and fame kind of combo, one-two punch. Yeah. You know, all the people that we're seeing on Instagram and wherever that have these 125 million followers and fabulous life, they're all in LA or New York. Exactly. Sorry, the rest of the world, but... (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying there's not influencers in other places, but let's be real. 
It's true. But, you know, we were talking this morning and I was talking about this thing because I totally got caught up in the money game Mm -hmm. for sure. Like all my 20s were about the money game, how much bottle service, what kind of shoes you can buy, the purse, the homes, the whatever it is that you want in that money game. But then there comes a point where I hope and I'm going to knock on wood for y'all out there that you realize it's not about the money. Because when you have all that money, it's like, okay, but what else? What's the purpose? And what do you do from there? So I feel like a part of my journey over the last eight years is having to redefine my definition of success and accepting myself for not wanting to be so much the money game and now wanting to actually have an overall healthy economy, like we talked about a lot in our podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and having a healthy economy for for Rena. Right. For like how healthy am I? Just sound mind, body and soul cuz that's a lot. That's worth way more money. You could have all the money in the world, but if you have a you have cancer, you have a heart attack, you have no movement in your legs, you ain't got nothing. You don't have anything. And I think that that's one of the things that I think about a lot. And don't get me wrong, you know, Heidi and I have businesses and and we run our businesses and we're definitely conscious about the money, but it's not about like the more money, the more money, the more money. I think there's a duality of all of the balance that we have within our companies and doing it without also killing the freaking planet by overusing it. Yeah, I think what you were getting into is kind of like how recognizing that there has been this pervasive value of society to achieve more, 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 Mm -hmm. and that that did affect you. Yes. It affected me. It affects all of us. So kind of acknowledging that and then being able to then, when we have those feelings of doubt or insecurity or we're comparing ourselves to someone else or to where we used to think we should be at this point in our lives, I think most of you guys can probably relate to this feeling of sometimes being like, I should be further. I should have done more. I, you know, when I was young, my dream when I was this age was that I would have X, Y, Z and be doing this and that and blah, 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 blah. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we get into this mode of being really self-critical and like what you were saying earlier, doubting our decisions potentially and all of this, because we're kind of like, we are reckoning with the very real programming that was done to us and and by us and through us to, you know, make us think that these were the symbols of our success. And now that, you know, for me and you at least, and for a lot of other people in the planet, I think we're starting to see the fallacy of all of that and realize that's bullshit. And Mm -hmm. we're not ascribing to that as our, ruler for success. It's also something that we then have to continually remind ourselves. Yeah. Because it's still going to come up and there's still going to be those moments of like, fuck, am I failing at life because I don't have a Birkin bag? (laughs) I mean, that (laughs) might not be, you know, your thing, but that might be somebody else's thing and someone else's might be because I'm whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or even something I know in, in my peer group, it's like if you're in your 30s and your 40s and you don't own a home. Yeah. It's like, oh, you don't own a home or you don't have a newer car or you're not in the job that is a career for you necessarily. You're not earning like six figures a year. Yeah. You know, you're you're paycheck to paycheck a little bit more. You don't have a bunch of investments. People feel like, oh, I'm failing. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I got to work harder. I got to do more. I got to be more. I'm not enough. Totally. That whole I am not enough is... 
our biggest selling jewelry piece, I'm going to be honest, over the past how many years is our bracelet called I Am Enough. Like we have literally thousands of people across the world wearing them. And it's because it's a reminder every day. The world just keeps throwing you things like you're not enough. You don't drive a Tesla yet. Uh, you know, you don't have. Your house isn't big enough. You know, your your car's not right. Your clothes, those are not enough. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, yeah, I think that's one of the big things that, that's been coming up for me, especially after all this time for us looking at masculine and feminine and wanting to find balance and wanting to reframe, you know, what the economy should be measured on and, and how we can measure ourselves and bring our best selves to the table and all of this stuff. And we've had so, you and I have had so many conversations with Vika, with different people about it's not gender and let's not make each other the problems and be blaming and you go through this whole thing and then you get to it and you're like, wow, because it really doesn't matter if you're a man, a woman, black, white, Mexican or Asian, you are susceptible to the money game. Mm -hmm. And if you decide to play that game, that game doesn't see color. It doesn't see gender. It doesn't see anything. Everybody could become the money games bitch. Anybody can be the the money games bitch. Mm. And I think that when you see these women who've bought into the rules of the money game and they are just as destructive as the men, just as toxic. It's a toxic materialism that our society has adopted that I think a lot of people are starting to push up against now. And it's a weird like contradiction kind of that so many people who are pushing up against that same thing, I think inside of themselves wanted somebody like Trump because it's still, he's still to them represented the epitome of success. But do you, but do you understand they were programmed to think that absolutely this person represents the epitome of success. I'm not enough. I can't do it, but he can. So he can save us. You know what I mean? It's such a disempowered perspective, but they've obviously become the money games bitch. They just happen to be the money games losers. Mm -hmm. They losing. So much losing. You know what I mean? And then there's a lot of us out there who are just like, fuck this. I don't want to play this game at all. But we then need to like deal with the demons in our head who still think they're playing the money game. Yes. Yes. So can I tell you the new game that I'm playing? Yes. Because Let's talk about I, new games. I, I like that. I like new games new because games. shifting this perspective. Should we do a money like a new game song? Like Okay. New game. Oh the new game. Okay. So the new game is officially called Your Gift. Okay? Your gift. I don't know. I just made that up. So CBS, if you're out there, the reach gift out game. to us. The gift game. Okay. Gift game. So I have realized through my time on this earth that what is most important for me is that my gift has an outlet to breathe. I'm an artist. Every single human being out there is an artist. And if your gift does not have a place for it to land on. So let's say you're an artist and you don't have a canvas that you can draw on. You don't have paints. You don't have a paintbrush. You are going to be so constipated on the inside. And the number one problem I think is, is that most people don't really know what their gift is, mm-hmm. but they everyone has a gift. So it's finding out what your gift is. And your gift is not being a great music composer or an artist necessarily. Your gift can be kindness. 
Your gift can be joy. Your gift can be your ability to move your thumb in ways. Your gift could be analysis. Oh my God. Your gift can be your podcast voice. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. But when you find your gift, that's the calling. That's like, okay, what avenue? Because you can choose anything to paint your gift on. And so the the money will come if you play in your gift. And I think you'll be way, way, way happier if you can paint all day rather than just throw money in your bank account all day. Yeah. And I think that artists visual artists or whatever have always understood that. That's why there's often this idea or concept of this, the starving artist because mm-hmm. they literally don't care about, most of them, the money at all outside of how it will allow them to survive. There's actually been research done on this, uh, extensive research. There was a couple of guys from Harvard Business Research or whatever who did a whole poll on like happiness levels related to money. Mm-hmm. And they found that like basically... As long as you were in kind of a comfortable living situation, making more money had almost a negligible difference in your happiness factors. So in their study, they went higher and went up to like millionaires too to see, okay, then what about just inside of millionaires? And they found that people that made one and two million were just 0.25% less happy than people they made 10 million or more. But the ones who made money and gave it away were the happiest. Mm. So like weird, but not weird, right? Because statistically, and this has also been studied, people get more joy out of giving things than they do from receiving them. There's a different measurement. You can measure brain waves now. So they can actually measure and be like, wow, more chemicals of happiness were released in their brain when they gave their money away than it was when they received it. And so it's just interesting because we have all of these notions of what will make us happy and what we need to be going for and chasing after, but they're actually not true. Like the data shows us that's not real. That's not really going to make you happier. Mm -hmm. And then we have this kind of spiritual concept that's always been there that you're here to be of service. You're here to give, you're here to share some gift and you're unique and blah, blah, blah. And not, I know not everybody believes this, but I do. You do. Absolutely. I think most of our listeners if you're listening to us still at this episode, you probably believe that too, because yeah. we're a lot. You, you <laughs> wouldn't still be listening. <laughs> but I think, you know, it is hard trying to find what your gift is. It yeah. is. And that in and of itself can be a game and it can be part of the game. Mm-hmm. That's like step one, you know? Yeah. Finding what the gift is and then finding the way that you can share it that, you know, other people can receive. Yeah. And I think it's a fun game. It's just, how do you measure it? And if you haven't found your gift yet, then what? Well, I think that that's probably the practice, that that's the quest. So I'll give you a perfect example. I've never really thought about my gift. Like nobody has ever asked me this question, like, what is your gift? And P.S., if you come into Meme, I'm probably going to ask you that question. <laughs> so She will. But if you don't know it, it's, it's easy to to find because it's just your innate human quality. So one of my gifts is I'm a really emotional, passionate person that has a lot of feelings. Like if there's like a sensory- So many feelings. You guys know I cry pretty much <laughs> almost every day. But how do you channel that gift? It's because I feel people in so many different ways. So I feel all of these emotions and I've just found an outlet through Meme to- 
express my feelings and emotions because I'm a regular woman and I'm on a roller coaster of emotion. And so if I'm feeling doubt and I'm feeling sadness or if I'm feeling pure joy, I just think every person is feeling that too. So I create these pieces that are all of these sentiments and I'm I'm lucky that I have that outlet, but I also know that that's part of my gift. I also know that not everybody can do what I do. It's that unique quality. It's that spark that you bring into a room that is just so uniquely who you are. And it doesn't have to be anything big and vivacious. It could be you quiet in the corner being such an observer. And that could be part of your gift because and an observer, like we need that in so many, so many different jobs around the world. And that little gift that you have, you can insert into whatever field that brings you like that you're excited about. I'll give you an example. Like I have a friend and she's so analytical and she loves spreadsheets. Like she loves Excel spreadsheets and she loves all of this, but she's not a people person and she doesn't like being around people. And she became this project manager for this company and she loves it because her gift of being so organized and so detail oriented has this place to shine. And I love watching her work because it's like, dude, you're so awesome at what you do. But that is definitely not my gift, right? So Hyde, what's your gift? Um, I don't know. And I'm going to rewind it because I think that that's part of where I was going is that sometimes it's not so easy for people to just know right off the bat what is their gift. Um, Sometimes it's like, oh, it might be a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of the other thing. I think that if you had asked me that two or three years ago, I wouldn't know how to answer it and or I would give you different answers. Mm -hmm. But I think that having been actively engaged in trying to uncover it and Mm -hmm. having other people around to help me do that, Mm -hmm. to be reflections, to answer questions for me. Um, and even reading books that helped me learn questions I could ask of myself, of my parents, of my close friends, so I could uncover that mm-hmm. um, really helped me. So I read a book called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks and his wife, and that was a really good one. And it talked about ask your parents what was something that you always naturally did as a kid that you just you just always had it. And people would even say things maybe to your parents about like, oh, the Heidi's always like this or whatever. So we did the Strengths Finders test and that helped me get words for it. So I'm going to kind of reference and use those. Okay. But I think it's a combination of the feedback that I got from friends and then these different assessments and tests I've taken and really looking at how I've been who I've been okay. in the world to myself and other people. And when I did the strengths finders, the top two that came out were positivity and belief. And it's funny because a lot of people have said to me like, oh my God, I want to take you with me to all events and have you introduce me all the time. Because, <laughs> yeah. Because when I introduce them, I introduce them with this high level of belief in them and positivity about them. And anything they've ever told me that they wanted to do, a dream of theirs or something that they think they're good at and I think they're good at, I'm going to introduce them as if they are that already. Yes. And so people I like, attest to this. You yeah, guys. I will. If you come and tell me your dream and you tell me who you're trying to be in the world, trust and believe the next five people I introduce you to, I'm going to introduce you as that. Mm. And people are left... Record it, guys. Record it, okay? It's true. So many times we're out and people are like, damn, I should have recorded you saying that. <laughs> it does happen a lot. Yeah. Because, because what I think happens is I'm giving to them... I can transfer my positivity and belief about them into them mm-hmm. to where they actually believe it about themselves. Yeah. And I think that's probably my biggest gift. Yeah. 
I, I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it took me a long time to figure that out. And I still have no idea how or if that will be applied in a professional way whatsoever. P.S. Um, still don't know. I think it does already. Naturally. Mm. Naturally. P.S. We are going to put a link for this Gallup Strengths Finder test. If you guys mm. want to do it, it's kind of super awesome. Yeah, it costs 20 bucks, mm-hmm. but I, I think it's way worth it. Way I worth do it. think, however, though, that it's confusing because it gives you like five things and there's only one report that's interesting. Yeah. It's the insights and action planning guide or action planning something. Yeah. It's a 19 page report. Yeah. Something like that. And it's called the insights and action planning guide. And that one goes in on like, this is how it's probably affected you in your life. Mm-hmm. And this is how you could use it to your advantage. And why I think that one's so interesting, especially for women is because I think a lot of times we think our strengths are our weaknesses. So many times. So many times. So anyway, we're getting off topic because today we're talking about the money game. But maybe I guess what we're getting at is that if you switch to the gift game, it could become more about how do I tap into, how do I discover my gifts and tap into them and start giving them? Yes. And not worrying as much about how do I get paid for them, trusting that that part can reveal itself to you when it's time or that you can always continue on an exploration of that and find that it might be different for everybody. Yeah. And I guess you get to ask yourself the question, where in life are you playing the money game or how have you played the money game? Or how has the money game made you feel like a loser? Mm. You know? Yeah. How has it made you feel trapped and stuck and not enough? And maybe you need to just acknowledge the fact that fuck that game. I don't want to play it anymore. And I'm not going to let a game I don't even want to play make me feel a certain kind of way. Yeah. Fuck that game. I'm out. And you know what, Steve Harvey? Fuck the money game. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because at the end of the day, integrity. It does matter. It does fucking matter. It does. It totally does. And you know what? That's something Monique can pass on to her children. Yeah. Yeah. Because they can always make their own money. They'll be all right. Mm -hmm. Because P.S., another thing that came up in that Harvard study. Yeah. People who'd been given or inherited their money, less happy than ones who made it for themselves. Hmm. That's why he they recommend vehemently that rich people like Andrew Carnegie, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, give their money away instead of passing it on to their children. Make your children earn it themselves. Mm. So you're saying leaving a legacy of integrity rather than a legacy of cash. Uh, I know in, in, in one of the Jay-Z Beyonce songs, it's like my family, nobody will ever have to need to work a day for generations and generations. And I really hope that they don't play the money game. Um, they 100% do. <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about. That is so obvious. Yeah, but no, I'm just saying their generations. I'm hoping that there are some good ones no, in there. They're definitely playing the money game. Have and some statistically humanity. speaking, they probably will have children or grandchildren who will die of drug overdoses. <laughs> because they'll have nothing to do with themselves and feel like they have no reason for living because they don't even need to find their gift because they already have all the money. So mm. fuck it. Hmm. And they'll probably die. Guess what? Money is <laughs> never the gift. Wow. I'm really dark right now. <laughs> it's raining here in LA, guys. I'm just feeling really dark. <laughs> well, give yourself the gift of tapping in and really trying to hone in on what your gifts are. And yeah, don't be a money game loser. Stop it. Stop it. All right. Yeah. That's all we got for you guys today. We love you. You are enough. 
always.